I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group, and I'm here at HIMSS 19 speaking with Ron Merring, CISO at Texas Health Resources, and Axel Wirth, a Solutions Architect at Symantec. Now, Axel, based on what we've been seeing in terms of cyber attacks on the healthcare industry over the last year or so and how they've been executed, what emerging trends are we seeing? What's changing? So overall, in, in, in the threat landscape, what we see is an increased focus, increased sophistication, so that the attacker is really targeting specific organizations and they're executing their attack according to a very well laid out plan. Now, that targeting maybe because there's some valuable information in that particular organization, but it could also be targeting that is just looking for an organization that has a specific vulnerability, specific weakness that can be exploited. So the attacks we've seen on healthcare really fall into two categories. One, yes, I am attacking that specific organization. The other one is more along the lines, I'm looking for an organization that is for example, still running Windows XP systems, which I can then exploit for my attack, and healthcare tends to fit that bill. So now, Ron, when it comes to effective response to the cyber attacks that you see in your organization and to mitigate their impact and damage, are there any particular practices or technologies that you've been considering or have been implementing at Texas Health Resources? Well, I think the, the biggest technology stacks we've been implementing are revolving around optimizing our analytics approach, which includes behavioral analytics, event management platforms, and making sure that's tightly integrated into process. And that's what a lot of my presentation was about, making sure that people, process, and technology are fully implemented within the response strategy and that the analytics platforms that support all of that account for all the phases of the incident response strategy. A lot of times we focus on the detection and reaction phases, the containment and eradication phases, which are extremely important but we forget about all the preparation phase items, which is the inventory of assets and all the other action items that require a deep analytical approach, but need to be well integrated within the other phases so quick resolution can happen in a very complex healthcare system. So now, Axel, earlier today you had mentioned that nation-state attacks, social economic sort of attacks, seems to be on the horizon if we haven't already seen that. What are you predicting? Obviously, it's always difficult to predict the future, especially in a dynamic space like, like cybersecurity. But we certainly know that there are certain nation states or groups of states that share certain characteristics will attack us as a society, as an economy, uh, will attack us as a healthcare industry for different reasons, right? Depending on the background of this particular nation state, it could be interest in intellectual property with the goal to advance their own healthcare system. It could be monetary gains, right? There may be, let's say, states that are under embargo right now that have financial challenges that try to compensate for that through cybercrime. Or it could be the actual intent to, to do damage, right, to harm us as a society or as an economy. And unfortunately, this being a cyberspace, the, the bar of entry is fairly low. Low-developed countries that have limited financial means still have enough financial means to execute a cyber attack, for example. Yeah. And that makes all the difference. So would these new sort of nation-state attacks, would they be different from, you know, again, the Anthem attack, for instance, that was rumored to be by China, seems to be a collection of information about citizens, it's different sorts of things? Sure, I mean, there is one, certainly one scenario, right, there's a lot of valuable data in healthcare that can be used by nation-states, things like immunization records, right, I can, for example... 
identify certain government employees getting certain immunizations that they will travel to certain regions of the world. That you know is certainly a possible pattern. I can also identify government employees that recently had, for example, high healthcare bills and maybe open to financial compromise. So those are all pieces of information that can be derived from individual or personnel type data within healthcare. I think what we have seen as a new development over the last few years is a shift towards intellectual property, be it clinical research, drug formularies, clinical trials, and, and these things. There are certain nations that seem to have an interest in this kind of, of data. So Ron, as you look at the threat landscape, what keeps you up at night? Oh, that's a great question. So what keeps me awake at night? I think the, the complexity of the healthcare delivery system in relation to how it's interacting with security programs is what probably keeps me awake. Healthcare delivery, business of healthcare is changing dramatically, and it's now starting to have these little, now small waves forming inside of the security program. And what my concern is, is that the security programs will not be able to keep up with the enormous amount of the change that's occurring, which result in undefined, unmanaged risk across uh, the ecosystem. I would say that that is probably the most concerning. Most healthcare delivery systems now and CISOs are, are addressing these areas, but it has to be proactive. Otherwise, it'll get a little bit ahead of us like it did 10, 15 years ago, and we'll be playing catch up again, and I don't think we want to do that again. What sort of potential do you see for automation, orchestration? There's a lot of talk about, you know, such a lack of skills, but everything's very mm-hmm. time-consuming. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss the important things and spend mm-hmm. too much time on things that might not matter. What do you have to say? Well, orchestration and automation, a slight difference there. I think that there are real opportunities to take those practices that are repeatable today, that we are consuming our staffing with, They're con- we're consuming their time with these repeatable, repeating tasks, Those are the things that we can probably automate, like suspending an account or disconnecting something from a network. These tasks that are causing them to switch between systems, we can probably reduce that. It also reduces error if we do system-to-system automation. On orchestration front, when we get into the escalation of an incident and having to coordinate across multiple stakeholder groups with multiple um, who in their own right have their own incentives and priorities of work, it becomes critical that we have tools in the system that, that allows incident handlers to effectively navigate that. And I think orchestration can help solve those kind of manual coordination problems and give us optimization and eventually become much more on the automated path. Axel, any thoughts on this? So looking at it from the more technical side now, security technology side, cybersecurity is full of data, but threat information, incident information, log data, vulnerability data. In the last session, we heard about the need for, for a software bill of material, an ASBOM, which is yet another very complex set of, of data that needs to be correlated with other things that we hold. So all of that is a huge opportunity to use automation uh, to comb through vast amounts of data to find well, what we used to call the needle in the haystack. Now we may want to call the needle in the needle stack, right? That one security event that can really harm you. And, and again, that is a huge opportunity because of that vast volume of data where you can use automation and machines to do the job as compared to have humans do the job. When it comes to the biggest weakness right now in terms of detecting an attack quickly and stopping the damage, what do you see? quickly in stopping the damage? Uh, Well, the first step is just be prepared, right? Uh, Be aware that 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 can happen. 
And that means exercising well in your preparedness plan around the incident response and make sure you plan for those type of disruptive events and the design with resiliency in mind. So whether whatever protective controls and resiliency controls you're putting in your environment, design purposeful. Design for attacks that will be disruptive to clinical and business workflows or that are targeting the destruction of data. Be purposeful in your threat model and then design to those specific to that specific criteria. And then model that and carry that forward in the incident response plan when people have to act and actually prioritize their work to restore systems if they do become disruptive. So it's all about the exercise and the preparation plan and really and real deliberate design with good threat modeling. And finally for you, Axel, in terms of detection of attacks, any emerging technologies, evolving technologies that you think can really help speed that up potentially? We talked earlier today obviously about machine learning and, and in the future artificial intelligence to help with better detection A, because of the volume of attacks, but also because of the sophisticated nature and changing nature of attacks, right? How do you detect yet another new attack strategy, attack vector? That is certainly an area where we should focus on from a security technology perspective. To add on to what, what Ron was talking about earlier, healthcare more so than other industries, I think, is realizing that incident response is really a multidisciplinary approach. Right, because it does affect not only IT and IT security, it also affects the business, it also affects care delivery, it also affects clinical aspects. Right, so you need to make sure, as Ron was indicating, that in your incident response plans, you make sure you have the right non-technical stakeholders that can may help make you the critical decisions should an incident occur. Right? When do you start shutting down certain services? When do you start rerouting? emergency patients to other hospitals because of a security incident. Those are not pure technical decisions. Those are care delivery and clinical decisions. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Axel. I've been speaking to Axel Worth and Ron Merring. I'm Marianne Kopasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.